Hello, and welcome to the podcast for Neighborhood Church. This message was given by Larry Vold. Oh, good to be together this morning. Take your Bibles if you haven't already done so. Find your sermon outline. And let's open our Bibles to the book of 1 Timothy, please. 1 Timothy chapter 1. You'll find that on page 1846 in that book rack Bible. We love studying Scripture. We love the Word of God here at Neighborhood Church. And even as you're opening your Bible, I hope you're just whispering a prayer to the Lord. Lord, speak to me. Speak to the people sitting around me this morning. Set some people free. Reveal your truth. Just set our hearts ready to hear from the Lord this morning. We've been celebrating our volunteers during the month of February. And in conjunction with the recognition that we're celebrating our volunteers with, we've devoted our teaching to to the topic of service. Service is a big part of our ministry process here at Neighborhood Church. We start with worship where God transforms us and then we move into community where God has this amazing ability to to transform each other. Uh, We transform each other through our lives devoted to Him and then in service where we actually use the gifts that God gives to us to, to see communities transformed, churches transformed. Uh, where we live transformed, where our workplaces are transformed. Service is a big part of that. And so far in our series, Service with a Smile, the Transformative Power of Doing for Others, we've looked at the big question of service. That means who are we going to serve, what are we going to serve. Uh, The example of service, we've looked at Jesus Christ, the foundation of service. We are His slaves, He is our Master Today we want to look at the right attitude of service. You see, it isn't just the things that we do, but it's the attitude in which we do them that God's looking at. We sometimes forget about that. Today we want to peel the layers back a little bit and see what's down in our hearts and we're actually going through the things that we're doing in our service for Him. You heard the story about the little boy that just would not sit down. Maybe some of our children's workers know this. He would not sit down. He continued to run around. Finally, the teacher just grabbed them and said, Johnny, you've got to sit down. So, in defiance, he sat down. But he said to her as a teacher, he said, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. (laughs) God calls us to serve, and many of us serve, but are we really serving on the inside? Are we really all in when it comes to this idea of service? There's a business on a local radio station that plays a lot of advertising, and, and it's, it's little statement, at the, but right before it shares its name is that where it's, excuse me, right after it shares its name is where, where it's a privilege to serve you. Being curious about whether or not they're living up to their, to their uh little sales pitch, I went online, did some Yelp, and just looked at kind of what people were saying. And, and for the most part, their clients were very happy. Some people not very happy, but for the most part, uh, they seem to be doing pretty well with this idea where it's a privilege to serve you. And that kind of rang in my own heart. I thought, I wonder what people think about when they think about the church, when they think about this church. Does the thing come to mind immediately that people would say, oh, that's the place where it's a privilege to serve people. There's a place that people have the attitude of it's a privilege to serve. So that's what we want to talk about today. 
Not every one of us who have served have had the right attitude in our serving. But what if every time we served, we counted it a privilege? One of the reasons we've done volunteer appreciation nights in the past and why this year we're taking an entire month to do something about this is, is we, we realize that, uh, that recognition is sometimes like the paycheck for a, for a volunteer. And we realize that if you don't get encouraged, that it's kind of hard to stay in the trenches. But even when we do volunteer appreciation nights or volunteer appreciation month, if there's not a greater inner mandate, if there's not something that is just driving us at a far deeper level in our lives, it doesn't matter how many recognition services we're going to have. There's got to be something more. There's got to be this inner, internal motivation that helps us to persevere in service. And today, where we come to in this little verse, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, I find that in this little phrase, one verse, we're going to exegete one verse this morning, and I believe that in this one verse, we kind of get this language of privilege. This just hit me like a ton of bricks as I was studying way back, looking at this whole series and coming upon these words that the Apostle Paul writes here to young Timothy. I felt like this is, this, this is the language of privilege that all of us need to be fluent in. And some of us speak different languages. Uh, you know, I've barely mastered English, and I'm, I kind of fumble in that too. But some of us speak other languages. Can I suggest to you this morning that one of the languages that we need to learn to speak fluently is the language of privilege when it comes to service? And we're going to see what that means right here in 1 Timothy chapter 1. So look, listen for the language of privilege as I read through this one verse, verse 12 of chapter 1 of 1 Timothy. Paul writes simply this. He says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. Now, we're going to go on from there. We're going to see a little bit more of the context in a minute. But in this one verse, I see here something that Paul is giving sort of the, the undercarriage of what his service is really all about, that it wasn't a drudgery, it was a true privilege And this is the language of privilege found here in this passage. Now, if you're taking notes, let me point out that the language of privilege includes four things, okay? Quickly, number one, the language of privilege includes gratitude. Say the word gratitude with me. Gratitude. I love that word. Notice Paul says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord. People who understand the value of serving, listen, see it as a privilege when they see it as a privilege, they have gratitude on their lips. This is one of the fastest litmus tests I know of regarding whether or not a person understands what service is really about. Because service starts with, it continues forth, and it ultimately ends with a, a passion to say thank you to God. Now, if you're taking notes, we're grateful to God for what He's done for us. That's where it starts. We're grateful to God for what He has done for us. It's clear that from the text that the Apostle Paul is first and foremost thankful to Christ for putting Him into service. His gratitude is focused upward. The Bible has a word for that, by the way. It's called worship. 
When we worship God, we're simply giving gratitude to God. We're recognizing that God has done something special and we want to recognize him for that. And that's what service is about. Service is an expression of gratitude. If it isn't, watch this, it just becomes duty. Now, we said last week, sometimes service is duty. In other words, we don't always feel like serving. Service is rarely convenient. I've discovered that. You have too. But fundamentally, if you're looking at the attitude behind what we're doing, if it isn't gratitude, then it's only duty. And God wants us to serve with gratitude in our hearts. He invites us to know him and in grateful response to serve him. And by the way, some of us get this entirely wrong. And we think that if we just serve God more, we'll get to know God more. That's not true. If we just get involved and do more for God, we're going to grow deeper in our relationship with God. That's not true. God invites us to grow deeper in our relationship with him, and the outgrowth of that is that we get to know him more, and then we serve. He invites us into relationship, and our response is to serve. It's not the other way around. Religion says... Do more for God and you just might get to know him. Christianity says, get to know God and you'll want to do way more for him. You get to know God changes your life. Now some of us are new in this this morning. When I say this, we're new into following Christ. But we're already discovering that, wow, God's wired me a certain way. I want to get involved. I see things. We might be timid. We're a little afraid. But maybe in, this last, in these last few weeks, we're kind of breaking the ice for some people and realizing as we listen to testimonies on the videos and as we hear about opportunities for service, and then we kind of walk out into that vortex of, of fun and celebration, we say, I could be a part of something like this. And God is inching us, sometimes moving us, sometimes pushing us out of our comfort zones and saying, would you get involved? And that all starts with getting to know the Lord. And by the way, that's been my story. I came to know Christ as a young boy, uh, but then began really following Christ in my high school years. And as I began to follow Jesus, as I began to get to know Jesus, he just kept putting it on my heart to do more and more. And I got involved in our student ministries at the church that, I, that the Lord really revealed himself to me in. And, and, and that led from one thing to the next. And, and I, you know, I had my plans for my life, but it was, it was all around, God, how can I do the things that you want me to do in such a way that I can serve you, I can help uh, other people. And God just kind of birthed that in my heart. And I think that that's a natural storyline for all of us that follow Jesus. We say, Jesus, we want to just be a part of whatever it is that you're doing to serve and help and minister and encourage others. And whether you end up, uh, believe me, the, the end goal here, as I share my story, I never thought I would be a pastor. Had you told me as a high schooler or an early college age person that I was going to one day be a pastor, I'd have said, no way, that's the most boring job I could possibly ever have. 
Honestly, that's the way I looked at guys in ministry, but I wanted to be involved in serving. God just kept kind of moving me along in some things and then basically gave me no other choice. He just drove me into, into the pastoral work. And what I'm saying in that illustration, the be-all, end-all for you is not to end up in full-time pastoral ministry. That's just where God led me in my service. But the important thing is that he's leading you in service too. And you don't know where that's going to lead. It can lead to a bunch of different things, which I've got some other stories we'll save till later here this morning. So, so here's the first thing is that we're grateful to God for what he's done for us. And you see this all through the Apostle Paul's writing. But let's just, if you're reading there in 1 Timothy 1, read on verse 13. Uh, Paul continues, he says, Even though I was once a blasphemer and a, per, a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Paul often reflected on this thankfulness to God for what God had done in his life. In Romans 7, Paul says this again he, he, in this awareness of the wretched state that he was outside of Christ. He asked the question, who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's Romans 7 24 and 25. Over in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, he says, but thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So many places in Scripture where Paul just sort of bursts out with this thankfulness to God. And all I'm trying to tell you this morning is that that's, that's the litmus test. That's the language that we speak when we recognize what service is really about. It's a, it's a gratefulness the language of privilege includes gratitude. And not just gratitude for what God has done for us, but watch this. If you're taking notes, we're grateful to God for what he has done through others too. Write that down. Through others too. Now this isn't explicitly mentioned in 1 Timothy 1.12, but Paul often talks about his thankfulness to God for others. And for example, 1 Corinthians 1.4. Let's read this out loud. Ready? Here we go. Let's engage a little bit here. 1 Corinthians 1.4, I always thank God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. That's how he opens many of his letters. I thank God for you. Let's do Philippians 1.3. I thank my God every time I remember you. Now that's pretty awesome. Where When Paul's writing, he's saying, I want you to know every time I think of you, I thank God for you. And of course you see this in his letters uh, to Timothy, we see it in Philippians where he's talking about Timothy and Timothy's interest in the Philippians' welfare. He talks about this to the Thessalonians whose faith was growing, whose love was increasing, Second Thessalonians 1.3. Thanking God for others, thanking them personally is the language of privilege. People who understand that it's a privilege to serve God are thankful people, but they also speak words of gratitude to others. As I walk around our campus every Sunday, I discipline myself to say thank you to people who are serving. This is something I do because it's in part the way I say to people, you get our ministry process. You know that it's more than just 
coming and sitting, soaking and leaving, you are giving back and you are participating in this beautiful symphony of service to Christ. And, and so as I walk around our campus, and I hear others do it too, we see people who are teaching, helping, showing mercy, leading, administrating, using their spiritual gifts to build others up in works of service. And that's beautiful. It's beautiful to Christ. It's beautiful to me as a pastor. And I wish sometimes we just maybe put a little counter on our lips to see how many times we actually say thank you. We live in a, in, a, in a culture that doesn't know really how to say thank you very much. We feel more the entitlement. We think pe- we deserve to be served. We deserve that. And so when people serve us, you know, people in the service industry know how invisible they are. And so when you're at the gym and you see people who are in sort of the service ministry, do you ever stop and just grab one of those little folks and say, man, thanks for what you're doing here. Now, they're being paid for it, but people in the service industry, we have a tendency not even to see them because we just feel entitled for whatever it is that they're doing for us. And that can carry right over into the church. Or we see people serving and we just go, well, that's, that's their thing. They're getting a little something out of it maybe. Or they, you know, and we just, they're invisible to us. But look around. It struck me as I was preparing for this message that if you are not involved in any service in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, specifically here at Neighborhood Church, and this is your home church, if you're, if you're not involved in any service and you came up here in this campus today and you're sitting here in this service, let me give you an interesting statistic that took me a few minutes to figure out. But did you know sitting here today, you are already a recipient of between 50 and 75 people who have dedicated their morning to making your morning better. Did you even think about that? And on a morning when there's maybe choir and orchestra in, and, and it's all upward. They're doing it for God. They're not doing it to be noticed by other people. But, it, but oftentimes we forget that in the midst of all of us doing whatever it is we're doing upward to God, there's a lot of cross-section, and we ought to be seeing that, and we ought to be responding to it, and just being able to say thank you is one way we do that. The language of privilege, number one, fundamentally, is gratitude. We hear it, we speak it, some of us are not very fluent in this language because right away we realize when was the last time we even said thank you to anybody? We pick up our kids' Sunday school in their Sunday school class. Do we say, wow, thank you for serving today? Thank you, James. Thank you, Mike. When you walked in here this morning and one of our friendly ushers greeted you, thank you, look at their name tag, their name is on the tag. Thank you. Use their names. Thank you for serving. Thank you for using your gifts. Thank you for, you know, because that's, that's the language, that's the culture that breeds the right kind of attitude in service. The language of privilege includes gratitude. Here's a second part of the language of privilege that I see in 1 Timothy 1.12, and that is the language of privilege includes fortitude. Say that with me. Fortitude. Not just gratitude, but fortitude. Look at what Paul says next there. He says, who has given me strength. I love this. Who has given me strength. Paul is expressing another key component in this language of privilege. 
the original text uses a phrase that actually means more like who has empowered me. Now, the idea of strengthening or empowerment is the work of God by his grace on the inside of the Christian's life. He gives us fortitude, which means we can stand up under tests and we can move forward when we don't always feel like it. God is the one who strengthens us and empowers us because, quite frankly, this is the big reason why many of us are not as involved as we should be in service. And here's why. We just don't think we have it in us. I don't know how many times I've talked to people who say, I could never serve in the church because I just couldn't do what those people do. What they're saying is, I don't have the strength and I don't have the ability to do those things. But the point is, God has made all of us capable of doing something. And, and there's the, the biggest problem that we have in the church oftentimes is simply finding that thing that we can do that God has made us to do to do so well to touch somebody's life. And so there should be a lot of moving around. I realize there are obstacles in finding the right niche for us to serve in. But we've all got things God has gifted us. We'll get into that in weeks to come. The way God's gifted us, the way God's wired us, the passion he's put in our lives. And there should be a lot of experimentation. We try this, we try that. Maybe you're out in the parking lot and you realize that's not where God's called me to serve. Or then you say, I'm going to be in children's ministry. And you go, that's not where God's called me to serve. It's okay to discover where you're not called to serve. But sometimes you got to get through a few places and a few circumstances and a few situations before you really figure that out. And it's okay to give yourself grace to go, you know what, I tried this and it didn't really work for me. That's why we have a lot of what we call first serves around here. When you go through our Life Transformation Seminar 101, we say, hey, you got to find something, jump into something, because if you're a member of Neighborhood Church, you're not sitting, taking up a seat. You're serving somehow. And we kind of put a little bit of godly biblical pressure. <laughs> we do, because God's Word doesn't put anyone off the hook. God doesn't say, oh, you want to be a Christ follower and you want to just sit back and soak in, let everybody serve you. Yeah, that's good. No, we don't find that in the Bible at all. In the Scripture, we say everybody rolls up their sleeves, everybody gets to work. So we, get, we believe in this principle of first serve, which means I'm going to experiment, I'm going to try some things, and in the midst of experimenting, I'm going to discover some things I don't want to do. And you know what happens in those situations? You want to just heap praise on people who find that that's their niche. And you'd be every time you walk by those people, thank Jesus for you, because I could never do that thing. But I'm over here doing this because that's what God's put on my heart to do. And they say, thank the Lord for you, because I could never do that. See, that's the beautiful thing. And then every now and then, people find what they're looking to do. And I don't know if I'm looking, I think I see Lily Kaufman up there. Is that Lily back there? Lily Kaufman's here this morning, and she's sitting up there in the back, and she's served 60 years in children's ministry. Now, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> that's longer than I've been alive, and I'm old. <laughs> she showed up and served in children's ministry. Now, I have a feeling that was her niche. <laughs> if it wasn't... <laughs> We're so sorry, Lily. <laughs> 60 years. That's amazing. 
And I know there's a number of people around here who find their niche and you couldn't crowbar them out of what they're doing because they found what God called them to do. When Paul prayed for the Ephesians, he said this. This is the language of fortitude. Listen, let's read it out loud together. Ephesians 3.16. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. In Isaiah 40, verse 29, familiar. Come on, let's read this one. But the Lord is faithful, and he will, st- oh, excuse me, that's Second Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians. Come on, let's go. But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. In the midst of serving, remember, God is faithful. He's, he's going to strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. Here's the Isaiah 40, 29. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. And Philippians 4.13 that often is quoted out of context, say it with me, I can do all things through him who strengthens me, who gives me strength. The all things there is not the stuff that I want to do, but the stuff that God's calling me to do. There's nothing impossible for what God's calling me to do because he's the one that gives me strength. That's the language of fortitude. That's the language of privilege. Gratitude and fortitude. And by the way, I love how Paul says this at the end of 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He says, he says, that is why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So it's actually good, the Bible says, to stay in a sense of weakness because it's in that weakness that God empowers the word there is from dunamis, back in First Timothy chapter 1. The strengthening is an inside out. It's what God does on the inside of us as we find the place he's called us to serve. So for those of you that are learning the language of privilege, you know that part of that language includes gratitude. It includes fortitude. Let me give you a third thing. It includes magnitude. Say that with me. It includes magnitude. Now here Paul continues, he says, that he considered me faithful, appointing me. Now, what I mean about this is that people serve from a position of privilege, realize just how big it is that God would choose us. The language of magnitude, get this clearly, this is not saying, look how great I am. That's not the language of magnitude. The language of magnitude is, Look how great God is that he would use me. Little old me. The choir sang last week, if he can use me, if he can use anything, he can use me, Lord. God can use anything. I'm always encouraged by the story of Balaam's donkey speaking to Balaam. If God can speak through Balaam's donkey, he might speak through me sometimes. Some of you will get that later. Anyway... Anyway, the language of of magnitude is realizing just how great God is that he would use little old us. Paul isn't boasting when he's saying this. He's he's coming at this very humbly. He says, "It's, it's amazing that God considered me a persecutor, a violent aggressor of the church, one who was ready and able to serve. If the king calls us into service, what else can we do but to serve with honor and dignity? 
God has called you and me to serve. How privileged we are. That's the language of magnitude. We say, God, why in the world would you use me? I am always amazed when God has done anything through me because I know me better than you know me, way better than you know me. I say, God, it's amazing that you would use someone as, as, uh, uh, as sinful as me. And I'm not trying to be false humble here. I'm just saying I'm a sinner just like you. And every day I get up and, and you know, we, we do the best we can. We, we try to serve in the best way we know possible. We pray prayers like, Lord, so far today I've done, I've done all right. I, I haven't gossiped. I haven't lost my temper. I haven't been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or self-indulgent. But in a few minutes, Lord, I'm getting out of bed. <laughs> that, and I'm going to need a lot more help, Lord. That's, that's where a lot of us are. That's where all of us are. We are so prone to be sinners because we are sinners. But the fact that God would use any one of us for his glory is just so amazing to me. The fact that God would choose to use any of us is just a a sheer miracle on its own. own. When I was a a younger man, uh, when I came to know Christ, and then as a, a fledgling young high schooler, the little church that I grew up in across the bay, it was one of the teachers there, Mr. Taylor. Mr. Taylor taught ninth grade boys, just like Austin, we heard on the video. And I just thought about, <laughs> I would have loved to have had an Austin, young, strapping young man. I know Austin. He's just a, he's, he's on fire for Christ. And it's wonderful to be around young men like that. And Mr. Taylor, Mr. Taylor was about 90 years old, I think. And he drove a little sports car, a little Triumph. And I remember every time I came to church with my parents, because I didn't drive when I was a freshman, I remember getting out of the car and walking through the parking lot, and there was Mr. Taylor's car, little sports car, top down. I thought that was kind of cool. And then I would go in, and I would sit in Mr. Taylor's class. And, and he had a group of a bunch of guys just like me, a little clueless, a little bit too much into ourselves and all the things that we wanted to do. There was a, a, a disabled young guy in that class. He was actually in his 20s, but they put him with Mr. Taylor because Mr. Taylor had some special abilities with young men that would blurt things out of nowhere, sometimes get up in the class and start walking around just ranting and raving. He was a young man that was disabled mentally. Mr. Taylor loved him. I remember when Mr. Taylor passed away, going to his service years later, and I remember hearing that Mr. Taylor left a, a, a brilliant career. He was in charge of a lot of people. And in his retirement years, devoted himself to serving young people. And all of a sudden, Mr. Taylor looked a whole lot different to me. He gave up what most guys do in their retirement. And I, I said 90. I don't know. He was probably my age. I don't know what he was. <laughs> but do you follow? He left his career. And he devoted himself to serving kids. He had the language of magnitude. God, you'd use me? Little old me? Yeah, if you could put me in a classroom with ninth grade boys for the next, I don't know how many years he taught ninth grade boys. 
but he did it because he knew the language of privilege. Lastly, the language of privilege not only includes gratitude, fortitude, magnitude, but I can't get away from this. Just at the end of verse 12, Paul says, appointing me to his service, the language of privilege includes servitude. Say it, servitude. Now we've gone over this so many times, seems like we keep landing on this every week. We serve because that's who we are. We're servants. There's one master, one Lord. And he expects us to be obedient, trustworthy, and faithful. And he tells us when to stop. And we're not to stop just because it doesn't feel good anymore or because we don't get enough props for doing what we're doing. I remember in 1997 visiting Mother Teresa's home in Calcutta, India. I was moved by the gracious and willing hands that in Mother Teresa's stead, she was still alive at this time, but barely, reached out with such tenderness and compassion to the poorest of the poor on the streets of Calcutta. There was no show. Just go and do. Help and love. Care and reach out. It's that kind of attitude in the folks who serve behind the scenes in ministries around here that are rarely recognized, but they give, share, reach out, and love in Jesus' name. And it's beautiful to Christ. It's beautiful. The language of privilege is we are always and only mere servants. That's all we are. No big titles needed. No big hierarchy. We just want to serve. I think of the ladies that meet together to pray for each other who have cancer. Or a small group of people serving and working through the challenges of blended families. Or people who gather together to prepare food and package it up and send it on its way with another group of humble folks who make their way under freeway overpasses in the middle of the night in downtown Oakland to touch someone with the love of Jesus. Or people who stay up all night listening to a young lady who has broke up with her boyfriend and has no clue as to what God really has in store for her life. Or a person who spent a good part of yesterday working over a simple story that is told over and over in the Bible to make it come alive in a fourth grader's heart. Or someone who got up here at the crack of dawn today so that there would be enough little materials in the book rack trays in front of us so that someone could sit down and hear the message of the gospel and have everything they needed in front of them and just out of service, that's all they wanted to do. And for any of you that know that, you know the language of privilege because you know gratitude, you know fortitude, you know magnitude, and you know servitude. And for those of you that that is involved with, may your tribe increase here and everywhere you go because God loves faithful servants. Now this morning, if you don't know Christ, it starts with knowing him. Not serving him, it starts with knowing him. 
And the Bible says we begin a relationship with Christ through faith, repentance of sin, and faith in Jesus. And if this morning you've never opened your life to Jesus, that's where it begins for you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, thank you so much, Lord. Thank you for the people that model these characteristics in my life. Lord, too many names to share over the years. From a child up, Lord, you put people in my life that have modeled the language of privilege. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that that language would become more fluent on all of our lips and lives as we serve you, Lord, here at Neighborhood Church or wherever you send us. This perhaps could be a watershed moment for some of us here today that have been a little bit too much into what we want to do with our lives. And forgetting, Lord, that the language we need to be fluent in is, is the privilege. We get to serve the King of Kings. Help us, Lord, I pray. And Lord, for the one or two or some that you brought to this service, that it needs to start with loving you, knowing you, Lord. Be related to you, not serving you, but knowing you. Lord, give them grace to believe on your name right now, I pray. And you know, every Sunday we give the opportunity for people to respond to Christ, sometimes just quietly right where they sit, sometimes a little bit more overtly. But again, here today, the opportunity is for you. If you hear the voice of the Spirit of God saying, you can't serve me till you know me, would you open your life? Would you confess as a sinner? You need Jesus to forgive your sins. Would you repent of any sin, any wrongdoing, any wickedness you know is in your heart and by faith believe that Jesus died for you and rose again from the grave? Believe on him this morning. Lord, give us, give us souls for you this morning, Lord. Some sitting right here, some who will be here in Sundays to come. Give us souls for you, Lord. Those of us that know you, Lord, let us learn this language of privilege more so. Learn it in my life, Lord, more so than ever before. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear additional messages or you're interested in finding out more about Neighborhood Church, please visit our website at threecrosses.org. That's the number three, crosses.org.